Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. The first chapter. So let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight for your presence. Thank you for the anointed music, Lord. Touching the throne of heaven, Lord, I know it touched your heart. You desire a people, Lord, that would worship you in spirit and truth, Lord. Not only in, in, during the service of music, but with our life, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be that vessel. Help us to be all that you called us to be, Lord. As we get into your scriptures tonight, we ask you to examine our hearts and let the Holy Spirit do spiritual surgery in our lives, each and every one of us. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you just don't leave it up to us to serve you, but you provided a way and all that we need to serve you, Lord. And for what purpose is to give you glory. And you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of all because you sent your son Jesus to come and to redeem us, to get us and to save us and change us. And we are thankful for that tonight, for your word, for your spirit, for your love and all that you have for us, Lord. And help us, Lord, as we learn your word to take this what we learn, to take of your spirit of your glory and to share it with those around us that don't know you yet. In Jesus' name of the church says, amen. Praise God. We're going into the, the first chapter and some of the verses in there, and I just want to give you a little foundation, the background of what is going on in this letter. At this point in time, the Apostle Paul is in prison, and he gets visited by a brother that came and gave him news of what was going on here in the Colossians, in this church of the Colossians. And some of it is very good news to hear. But then there's other parts that are very serious and very, um, how should I say, very, um, very dangerous for this, this church. And the reason why, because this is a, a really young church, amen, a young church. And there's a lot of things that are going on there. They have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they're learning that. They've learned the gospel, you know, the fundamental of that foundation, how we enter into the kingdom of God, the born-again experience. And after that, they started learning how to love one another and to love all the saints. And why? Because of the hope of glory that they know that they have eternal life. And so, you know, Paul is excited, but then on the other part, he's very, very concerned. And Paul has a heart, as a, like a father, amen, to a child that wants to nourish that child, to give that child advice, and to direct them in the right way. And so we're at a point in Paul's life that he has plenty of experience now of building up churches and going from this place to that place, Three missionary uh, trips that we know of. He probably had more than that, but we don't know. We don't know all the facts. But we see that he has a heart towards his church. Now, the unique thing about this is that he wasn't a part of it being founded. Somebody else was a part of that. But that shows you how the gospel was, was spreading at that time. So this church is uh, located in the Asia Minor, in that area. Remember the book of Revelation that talked about the seven churches? It's around in that area. 
And so Paul has a heart for them. And these are the words that he pinned down after hearing, probably meditating, what he should say to this church. Amen? And so praise God. So he's doing this in the prison. I want us to get a hold of this. Because when we say that the Apostle Paul is in the prison, that we just, say, we just, we just blow over it. What were the conditions back in them day? I'll tell you what, the prison system that they have in the United States here is like a five-star motel compared to what the Apostle Paul was. The Apostle Paul was literally in a dungeon. Amen? He was in a dungeon. It was dark. It was damp. Not a place to be. Who knows how the food was? But he was in a place where if anyone wanted to have a pity party or say God is not real or God is dead, this was the opportunity for him. But because he continued in the faith and the experience of seeing what God has done throughout his time as a born-again believer, he has seen that God is faithful and there's one at two avenues that he is going to use to bless this church. Number one, he's going to pray for it. And number two, by the Holy Spirit, he's going to send a letter to them. No matter what the kingdoms of darkness or circumstances try to do to us, it cannot limit our God that lives within us. And the faith that Paul had in Christ is phenomenal. I'm telling you, when we read this letter tonight, it sounds literally like a free man with joy and who is not chained down and who is not in a dungeon, but he is free in Christ Jesus. I want us to get that tonight. He is free in Christ Jesus. Amen. This world can try to entangle us, lock us down, persecute us, do whatever it can but it could not rob us of our faith in Christ Jesus because he lives within us, amen? He lives within us. And we need to get that tonight. We need to get what the encouragement that Paul is going to speak to this beautiful young church. And so let's go into it. And so we're going to go, I'm going to read them uh, like half of the chapter, the first chapter, but we're only going to go through so many, verses 9 through 14, all right? So let's begin. Let me put my glasses on. Verse 1. This is a greeting to Paul, and it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ, Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And here's the beautiful part. We always thank God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved uh, fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened, with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience, with joy, giving thanks to Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Praise God. That's a lot to read, huh? And it continues in that. I would also like to emphasize tonight the reason also that he is writing this letter, and many of the scholars were saying some were believing because um, they were dealing with some false teachers that were in there. And so when you have a young church, it's very easy for them to be um, influenced right into the wrong doctrines and all that. So Paul's really concerned on that. One of the main things that he was dealing with, it sounds like, is the doctrine of Gnosticism, which is knowledge, amen? And that was a weird uh, doctrine that was trying to creep into the church. The enemy used that for the first, you know, 200 years or so in the church of its birth of using that doctrine, trying to bring down the true doctrine which is found in Christ. And so what's going on here is Paul is reminding them of their salvation, right? He's glad that they, uh, they are saved. He's glad that they understand that they've, they've entered into the kingdom. He's glad that they have love for one another. He's glad that they have hope and glory for eternal life in this kingdom that is coming. And we partake of it even now at this moment. And he's glad for all these things. But Paul's going to go a step further when he does this prayer because that's what this is about. He's praying for this church. And I want to emphasize again another thing too is prayer. The way Paul is going to pray for this church is phenomenal. The detail that he gives is so, it's so crucial for this young church. And I was, you know, I was looking at it this afternoon. And I, was, I was reading through the scriptures. And I'm saying, Lord, just see like the prayers that I do sometimes. They're so vague when I'm saying stuff about you know, some of the bread I'm praying for them. And they're praying for me. And it seems so vague compared to what Paul has given great detail here. Amen. So I want to encourage you tonight. Let's step it up a little bit more. Amen. Let's get a little bit more detail in our prayers for one another. Uh, for maybe we have lost children. I got some. Amen. Or situations are going on. Let's, let's go in detail. Amen. I want to pray that we have a blessed church, that they're on fire for the Lord as far as they're walking the Lord, that the light would come on and they would truly understand, as Pastor Brandon was saying last week, their identity in Christ Jesus. This is very important. Amen. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through something, I'm praying that somewhere, somewhere is praying for me in great detail, in fervent prayer, and they're meaning it by faith. Amen. So can we do that for one another? Can we? Amen. We, need to, we need to cover, you know, Paul says, I covered your prayers. Prayer is a very uh, powerful way, an avenue that we, that we relate to our God. We know that this is basic, really what it is. It's conversing with God, but there's so much more to it in prayer. And even in the book of Matthew, our Lord and Savior, even the sixth chapter spoke about the Lord's Prayer. And if you even study that out, you'll see the importance of prayer. And a lot of times we think it comes to no avail or it's just hitting the wall or whatever. But in due time, if we don't faint, if we don't give up, we're praying for according to his will and according to his word shall come to pass. Amen. And so I'm just I'm just so so convicted it's going, man, Paul really hit it really good. And so I'll just tell you from verse three to verse eight, it's a thanksgiving prayer that Paul is thanking the Lord for this young church. But we get from verses nine through fourteen, it turns into a prayer of asking God specific things for this church. So it was a thanksgiving prayer, and then it goes specifically to asking God. And that's the phenomenal thing about it. It says, this is what Paul says, and so from the day we heard, verse 9, 
we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Isn't that what Paul said in the first verse at the beginning of his letter? He said, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Amen. Now, the will that we're talking about here is not so specifically about, you know, who am I going to marry? Where am I supposed to move to? This is knowledge of God's will about him in Christ Jesus and the way we should walk according to his will and through his spirit and his word. Amen. This is what this is about. If we can get a hold of that, if we can get a hold of this knowledge of God's will in our life, there will be fruit, we'll be doing good works, and we will be, it'll be beneficial to the kingdom of God and to each other and to this dark world that we live in. That's what we want. Right? And so we see this. So he said, so from the day we heard, remember he heard from, from the witness, and he's writing this letter, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So he's asking specifically, he wants this young church to be filled with this knowledge, amen, with this spiritual and wisdom and understanding of God's will in their life. And so we know that the knowledge means uh, knowledge, what it is. And the New, in the New Testament, it often refers to knowledge which very powerfully influences the form of a religious life, amen. A knowledge laying claim to personal Involvement, in other words, experiential knowledge. And so when we look at this, we also look at the wisdom. And the word here in this wisdom is this what it means. It stands for divine wisdom, the ability to regulate one's relationship with God and is distinct from. And so we understand the word understanding means to comprehend, to reason out, comprehension, perception, and understanding. The word denotes the ability to understand concepts and see relationships between them so we understand that right we understand it but here's the key here's the key it said spiritual right it said of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding and so what does that really mean if we have the word spiritual before it it means that the holy spirit is taking place to give this knowledge to give this wisdom amen are we on board on that so what is the knowledge of God's will? Let's break it down. First, it comes from God through his spirit. Amen. We can't understand anything in this world or even when God relates to us unless his spirit defines it to us, expresses it to us, and shows us. And that's what we need. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 13 gives a perfect example. It said, these things God has revealed to us through the spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So the source is the spirit of the living God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 says it this way, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you, and this Pastor Brandon was dealing with this passage in the book of Ephesians, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. So we're set in the background that it's the Holy Spirit that's going to give us the wisdom and the knowledge of knowing God's will in our life. Everyone's going to be kind of different in that. But as we, we, we search him in them things, he's going to show us. And it's very important that we listen to the Holy Spirit, what he has to say through the word or how he brings it to us, he will bring it to you. 
to it. So second, the knowledge of God's will centers on the knowledge of what he has in Christ. Amen. This is what it's about. This knowledge of God's will is Christ Jesus. Amen. It points to what Christ has done and what Christ wants to do in our life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 says this, That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Amen. So we're getting an idea about God's will, the knowledge of God's will this way. It's through Christ Jesus. It's revealed by the Holy Spirit. But we just don't stop there. If God's taken us this far, then what else is he going to do with this knowledge of his will in our life? Well, this is what it says right here. Third, this knowledge of God's will is to transform us. Transform us into what? To the image of Christ. Amen. The image of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable perfect. So the combination of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is going to help us in the Sabbath. Amen? Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. So that's dealing with the first verse. So let's go with verse 10. Now we've seen what Paul has said specifically about it. He loves his church, and he doesn't even know them personally. But look at the love of Christ that he's showing. I mean, he's basically praying over this church like he's the head pastor. Amen? That's his heart. He's given specific details that he's asking God to do through this church for the benefit of that church because of what they're facing and what's going on, the challenges in that local area. So verse 10 says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we have our swords. We've talked of the Spirit. We talked about Christ, and we talked about being transformed in his image. But now it's time to talk about to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. So in a manner is our way indicated or suggested. And we know that the word walk is to conduct oneself, our behavior. The way we walk in the Lord is our behavior, our attitude that people can see. Amen? But the word right here, manner worthy, I, I love what it says. It says properly. That's what it's saying here, properly. So, as to walk in a manner properly before the Lord. So, fully pleasing to Him. The Bible says one of the specific ways that we can please God is what? Is by faith, right? Without faith, right? Hebrews chapter 11, is it, it's impossible to please God, but that faith has to have an object, right? And what is the object of our faith? It's Jesus Christ. He is our object. We are his object of love. Amen. Of love because he redeemed us. He saved us. And so when we're walking in a way that pleased the Lord, fully pleasing him, 
There's going to be fruit in every good work. Amen? There's going to be fruit. And so what is, excuse me, what is, what does the word say about this, about this walk? It says that we need to be in union with Christ. Amen? How are we to bear fruit? How are we to have good works? We must be in union with Christ. He said, for without me, you can do nothing. Amen? Remember the book of John, the 15th chapter? He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit from up. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We have to get it in our mindset. This young church must get in their mindset that we are just yielded vessels. We're yielded vessels and we've been redeemed that God would get the glory out of our life. That's what this is about. It's never about us. It's always about him and others, amen? It's always about him and those that are on us that we can affect. And we know what produces of them fruit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 talks about the different virtues, or shall we call them the attributes of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen? But what we're talking about, we're talking about this fruit in here, I believe that they're really dealing with the fruit of our good works. And so what does that kind of look like? Matthew chapter 5 or 16, this is the way the Lord said it. At the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. This is what this is about. Why do we do the good works? It has nothing to do with our salvation as far as trying to get brownie points with the Lord or get any closer to him. But it is what our attitude that we have gratitude towards him because he saved us. And we want to express that salvation through works, amen, that are going to be able to touch this world, be able to touch our family members, be able to touch people. We just never know who's watching us and how we walk. And can I tell you, it is a battle. You know, it's not always easy. We, we, we teach and we preach and we have what the word says and sometimes it's just us. Sometimes it's just me. It's my attitude. It's, uh, you know, a circumstance came up and I just kind of just lit up for some whatever reason and did, said the wrong thing or the wrong attitude and it happens. But that's what we talk about, practicing our faith and exercising it, amen? We're just, we're practicing. We're walking this. We're learning. There's going to be times that we will fail, but we repent. We get right back up and we go along. We keep going. We don't quit. We don't quit. We continue. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God as we continue to walk in this, and the good works, are not, our, our, our knowledge of God will increase, will be embedded in him and him and us. And this is just like something that's going to keep rotating. It keeps happening over and over again in our life. This is what God wants for us. This is his will. His will that we be conformed to the image of his son and to bring glory to his name by our good works. And it just doesn't stop there. Let me read you one more thing about, about the knowledge of God. Is that what rain and sunshine is are to the nurtured plants, the knowledge of God is to the growth and maturing of the spiritual life. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. And so we see some of the things that the Lord, on our part, wants us to, to walk in and to express that, who he is, the image of his son, the fruit thereof of his son, and to bring good works for his glory. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So we go to the next one. Verse 11. And this is where it gets tough for a Christian. And Paul wants to express this to this young church. We have victory in Christ. We have the spirit that's within us. We're having a knowledge of God's will in our life. We are walking in these things. But we have to remember that we're, I always say this all the time, you know, I'm going to repeat myself like a million times. But we walk in a fallen world, amen? It's a dark world. And this world is not perfect, and we walk in circumstances that are not easy to walk through. And so Paul wants to let them know, not only is God going to help them, but right here it says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Amen. Strengthen. The New Testament used in the passage to be strengthened. It also means to grow strong morally. It's never within ourselves. We know that. It's the Lord providing this for us in our lives. We remember the spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, right? It says, verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This is the same thing that's going on in this passage that we're reading tonight. Philippians 4.13 even compares to that. It said, I can do all things through, who, me? Through Christ, amen, who strengthens me. Come on, amen. This strength comes from the Lord. I love that. I think it's in Nehemiah. It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, I didn't get a chance to look at what it meant in the Greek. Uh, well, it's actually in the Hebrew because it's in the Old Testament. But I believe, I'm just going to, I'm going to run with it. But that joy that's in that scripture is a joy that's, it's expecting God to move on their behalf. That's for the kind of joys of that. We don't have to walk in our own strength when we're going through things and trials and tribulation and heartache and the enemy coming at us. We rely upon the Lord's strength. The new covenant gives us all the benefits that we need to be able to walk accordingly to his divine will in this crazy world. Amen. This strength comes from the Lord. Amen. It's being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And that word power is inherent power. But I like to say it this way. It's God-given power. God gives you the power to walk in that, to be able to deal with the trials and tribulations. Why? Because he starts speaking out to his glorious might. And what this means, the thought to be the might of God's own manifested nature. This attribute of his power, he shares a little bit to us. Amen. He's all powerful. So he's giving them exactly what they need. This is his prayer for them. He's excited that they've been saved, but he wants them to walk accordingly to God's will in their life and to walk in that power. Why? Because they're dealing with things that are in the church, which is great deception. It is going to take the discernment of the Holy Spirit and the word and the wisdom of God to show them what's right and what is wrong. You know, I was talking to my class this, uh, this afternoon, and we were talking about a certain topic. And I'm not going to mention what the topic is. But I told them that's where the word of God comes in. The word of God is going to help you to discern what's right and wrong. And there's sometimes there's gray, uh, gray area 
areas that are gray shaded areas that are just in between. And I go, my advice to that, anytime there's a gray area, it's probably best to step back and not even to partake or whatever you think. I mean, if there's, if there's a question mark, maybe we should just go around it. And just stuff like that. So I just thought I'd mention that for whatever reason, Damon. So we continue. Hallelujah. And so what's for what? It says, for all endurance and patience with joy. And really, endurance and patience can be, I mean, they can, um, they work together. They really do work together. So what does the word endurance mean? Generally, meaning endurance, patience, perseverance, constancy under suffering and faith and duty. This is what we need. This is exactly what we need to endure with patience but with joy. I'm not there yet a lot of times. But like I said, we're practicing this. We're exercising this. We're learning this. Now remember, let's go back. Paul, right? Where's Paul at? In prison. How bad is the conditions? Bad. Very bad. You know, real bad. But yet, look how he's writing to this young church with love and care and just really focused about wanting to help him out with this letter. There's so much in this letter. We're only just scratching the surface. And so we continue with that. And so joy is just joy of faith, meaning in and arise, arising from the faith of the gospel to rejoice, rejoicing gladness. But then it says also, joy is often associated in the New Testament with hardship and suffering. Right? Isn't that what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13 says? Okay. Be re but rejoice in as so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So he's teaching them, yes, the salvation is good. God is with you. You're walking in his power, but there will be trials and tribulations that will come in your life. This is how we deal with it. This is how I fight my battles. How do we fight it? Lord, you're fighting it for me. I can't fight it. Can we really fight our own battles? I mean, can we? No, the battle is the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And because of that, and this is the awesome part, this is what Paul says in verse 12. He said, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Amen. Giving thanks. Amen. Thanksgiving, you know, the, the word Eucharist meaning to give thanks to God. That's literally in the Greek. That's what it means. You know, Paul is thanking God. Giving, giving thanks to the Father. Why? Well, he's already gave all the benefits what, what could be done for them, but now he's saying another reason why. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. How are we qualified? Tell me. How are we qualified within ourselves? We're a bunch of sinners saved by grace, and God is cleaning us up. It's because of the blood of Jesus that the Father sees in us. That's where the qualification comes. It's never of us. It's always about him what he did at Calvary. That's good news, amen? I thank God that I don't have to do the, the good, the, the skill, because I, I'd be in trouble, amen? I would really be in trouble. <laughs> We'd all be in trouble, really. But qualified for what? To share in the inheritance. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4 says. Uh, yeah, no, 1 Peter, yeah. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Sorry about that. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Hallelujah. 
<laughs> it's set in stone, praise God, by the blood of the Lamb. Are you listening tonight? The inheritance that we have, because he qualified us, because we couldn't qualify ourselves. And look all the good that the cross of Christ has done for us. The blood of Jesus has given us all that we have in this New, in this new Testament. And we get an inheritance. And we need to stop here and park here just for a second. The inheritance means a lot. Oh, my Lord, we have no idea. We have no idea what God really has in store for us. What he really has in store in that day, when we cross over, we are going to get that inheritance fully, 100%. Right now, we have a deposit of it through the blood of Jesus. We got a deposit of the kingdom of God and these things. But on that day, it's going to be fully paid. Hallelujah. It's already paid, I should say. But we will fully cash into it. And I tell you, when it says it's imperishable and undefiled and unfading, Praise God. It's something that is eternal. It's not going to wear out. It doesn't need warranty. The batteries are not going to die. This is eternity. This is God doing something. And whatever he does is eternal because he is the eternal God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's something to shout about. Of the saints in light. We are called saints. That's right. Why? Because, again... The blood of Jesus. We're not a saint within ourselves. We know that. Amen. Saints in light. We are in the light. We are children of the light. He is the light of the world. We walk in the light. Why? Verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Hallelujah. He has delivered us. To draw or snatch from danger, rescue, deliver from the domain of darkness. It says that Satan is the God with the little g of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The Lord has delivered us from that system, the domain of darkness, and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. He has transferred us from one location to another, spiritually speaking. This deliverance, we can, we, can, we can compare it to what happened to the children of Israel when they were in bondage and they were in Egypt. But that night, that night, when they applied the blood upon the doorposts, the Lord delivered them, set them free from Egypt and started going towards the promised land. We know the story. Most didn't make it. Almost, almost none really made it. And very few but the inheritance was there. The promise, the deliverance was there. The Lord pulled them out of a dark place. Egypt was a dark place. Remember, they were trying to contest with Moses with the staff. And they were able to contest with him with their magical powers to a point. So it showed you how demonic that place was. And the children of Israel were there under that domain. But there came a day that the Lord released them. Remember what Moses said? Let my people go. And they will release. And I will use that phrase and bring it to the New Testament when the Lord said, it is finished. It's a done deal. We're free in Christ Jesus. 
We're no longer slaves to sin. And this is what the Lord has done. He's transformed us from that. He's transformed from that to the kingdom of his beloved son. Praise God for that. And how, how, how? The Bible says, verse 14, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Redemption, to let go free for a ransom, to redeem. The recalling of captors from captivity through the payment of a ransom for them. Christ's death. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, 19 says this, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's, that's, the, that's the definition of redemption. But how has it come about? through the forgiveness of sins, through his blood, amen. It said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says this, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So we have seen tonight the detail that Paul has prayed over this young church, his heart towards them that he wants them to grow in the saving knowledge and understanding of wisdom in Christ Jesus, to be fruitful, to do good works, and to be able to abound in that, all for the purpose of giving glory to God. Amen? Have you ever thought about what's God's will for all our lives? I mean, it's kind of a different way, but the, really the common denominator is, is that we get saved, we get conformed in the image of Christ, and then we are to go out and share that message to others that don't know him yet. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. So praise God. Here we go. There you go, my brother. Discipling. Very good. Very good. If we continue in this chapter, then it talks about the preeminence of Christ. And Paul gives great detail to them after he talks about their salvation, how they should walk, and the root of why they're able to walk because of redemption and forgiveness of sins. And the inheritance of that, of the kingdom, eternal life. He talks about him, about Christ, that he has all knowledge. He's all things. He's made all things. He holds everything in his hand. And he tells them that for a reason, because of the false teachers that are in that church trying to lead them in a different way. They're trying to get the gospel then plus something else. The gospel plus something else equals to nothing. The gospel by itself equals everything. Amen. God will not share his glory with no man, no philosophy, no other thing but his son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray tonight that the, you got something out of this prayer. It's phenomenal. I pray that it inspires all of us to let's start going a little bit more detail for my brother, for my sister. Amen. For whoever's out there and see, see what God will do. Amen. You know, some of us have some years of experience in this gospel. And so we can give some detail how we can specifically pray for someone. Lord, help them. Help them to understand the comprehension of what you've done, Christ Jesus, and how you want them to walk in victory and how you want them to walk in the abundant life. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is possible. But Paul can write this in a dungeon 
with the dark. And that should inspire us that, you know, what's our situation right now? I'm facing some things. You know, we're all facing some things. But really, I mean, I'm not in a dungeon. <laughs> I wouldn't want to try the food there. And I couldn't even understand uh, how the plumbing system's there either. But I'm pretty sure it was bad. But Paul shows a perfect example of putting himself to the side, his situation, and working this way with the love of Christ and blessing this young church with some wisdom that he has from the Holy Spirit. So praise God. Can we all stand? Amen. Father, we just thank you for this night, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We, we look at this as such a high standard in so many ways, but you're not requiring us to walk this in our own strength. You have provided everything that we need to walk in. Help us to be dependent upon you and to obey you, Lord, by your grace. All this is done through grace. You've given us you given us all that we need, Lord. We're so thankful for that tonight. And Father, help us, Lord, as we have our time in prayer, whether whatever that time is or whatever it looks like, Lord, it's not always on our knees, Lord. Sometimes it's just driving down the road or having a break from work, but you know our hearts. Help us, Lord, to, to pray specifically to you, Lord. You are a very detailed God. Nothing, nothing catches you by surprise. You see all things plain and naked. Help us, Lord. Help us, teach us how to pray. We just thank you for everything. In Jesus' name of the church says, amen. Shake hands and be friendly and hug a neck. God bless.